As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to episode 207 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and uh, Andy, Giants hitters have seen a 3-0 count 207 times this year. No idea where I'm going with this. No idea what that has to do with anything. So you do something with it. How did you even find that? How did it occur to you to look that up? I mean, I don't want to, you know, kind of show how the sausage is made, but like two seconds before every podcast, I go, oh, crap, I forgot an Easter egg. And so I'll just hit control F or command F and I'll search for 207 in different baseball reference pages. And sometimes I get lucky. Wow. And so what are the Giants doing in in 3 accounts now? I have to know. Oh, well, that would be a different page. I'm going to guess before I look it up and I'm going to vamp for a little bit, uh, I'm going to guess that they take... Quite a few swings that there's going to be more uh, plate appearances than you might expect from previous seasons or even compared to other teams because the Giants, they take a lot of 3-0 hacks comparatively, wouldn't you think? You know, I remember Pat Burrell would do it quite often in like 2010. And I thought, what's he doing? I mean, boy, this look at the... the, the uh Look at this guy, all high and mighty, swinging through. And now everybody does it. Everyone's told, look, this is probably going to be the best pitch statistically you're going to get to hit. So um, if it's in the strike zone, absolutely be aggressive and let it fly. And that goes for almost anybody, not just the people who can park one. But uh, I have now stalled long enough that I've gotten the baseball reference page up. And after a 3-0 count, uh, the, the team having the most success is the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a 1.404 OPS. And... Uh, a 387 batting average, and I'm scrolling down for the Giants and scrolling and scrolling, and oh my goodness, we, I, you might have an article here. Um, yes, <laughs> the, the Giants, the Giants are last in the major leagues, and we're talking like you get to 26, 27, 28, it's 203, 192, 190, 180, 130. The Giants are hitting 130 um, with uh, a, a 3 0 count. Point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, drawing a lot of walks, so they have a 923 OPS, but you're supposed to draw a lot of walks when you get to a 3-0 count. But yeah, wow. Mm. We're talking, yeah, 207 plate appearances. This is fascinating because I, I went about a different way to look this up. And so I'm looking at just their 3-0 count. So just them putting the ball in play uh, with a 3-0 count. They've done it 11 times. So taking a, a swing on 3-0 uh, 11 times. Would you like to guess how that's worked out for them? Oh. Uh, Well, um, sure. I I have the numbers in front of me, so it wouldn't be a guess at this point. Um, But but please do share. 0 for 11. Mm. Not great. That's not good, is it? That's not great. 
That's yeah. not great. Uh, so I guess this is a good segue to just talking about the old Giants who uh, escaped Coors Field with a win by the skin of their teeth. Uh, it was a frustrating Coors Field special, but they won. And you can't look every uh, win in the mouth, uh, the gift win in the mouth. But uh, yeah, not a, it, it was a very typical Coors Field weekend for the Giants in, in the respect that it, it wasn't uh, a lot of good outcomes. They've been losing quite a bit. I think we're getting to the point where we don't have to check the scoreboard so often. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, I was in, I spent the week uh, in Oregon uh, following the high A team and it was actually pretty cool. Marco Luciano showed up the same day I did after being gone for, for two months. So I got to uh, catch up with him in the dugout and watch him hit a grand slam, watched Luis Matos hit a grand slam. And, um, you know, I'm watching the Giants game on my phone um, with my YouTube TV app as I'm watching the minor league game. And by the way, the pitch clock is amazing. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's two pitches for every pitch in, in the, in, in a ball when you've got a 14 second pitch clock on. So I am ready to salute my pitch clock overlords. Uh, saw a couple of automatic balls called uh, mostly relievers who weren't ready, but, um, but yeah, it was, it really does make the move, the game move along, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm following the giants as I'm watching the minor league game and oh, man, it's, it just seemed like, you know, no lead is safe, um, especially at Coors Field and especially with the Giants bullpen. I mean, wow, that was, uh, um, I, I would say it was edge of your seat type of stuff, but I mean, it probably it was edge of your seat with a paper bag pulled over your head. <laughs> it is uh, two rotten tastes that taste rotten together. The Giants bullpen currently in Coors Field. And I just filed an article uh, that will come out uh, on Monday afternoon about sh- sort of some chicken or the egg stuff where you have the Giants' rotation is ultra-effective and you have an ultra-ineffective bullpen. Is the Giants' rotation that good because the bullpen is shouldering so much of an innings load and you don't have Alex Wood going a third time through the order? You don't have Carlos Rodon pitching into the seventh or eighth inning reliably? Or is it just an ineffective bullpen overall? Is it the workload? Are they gassed? Is it talent more than being gassed? I, I don't know where to explain the ineffectiveness of the Giants bullpen. I just know that it's ineffective. Yeah, I think uh, you do have to look somewhat at workload. I mean, they I think they did lead the National League in appearances on zero days of rest. Now, mm. they, they they do space them out, so they don't have, you know, Camilo Duvall throwing five days in a row or anything. But, you know, John Brebbia has pitched um, a lot of back-to-backs, and they give him a day off, but then he pitches back-to-back again. And I'm looking at the Giants' quality start percentage, which, you know, is Kind of a weird stat because there's nothing quality about three runs in six innings, but it's 40%, which is right about the league average. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I just think they just don't have enough depth. And this may be last year, the cumulative effect of last year catching up with them as well. I mean, those guys were all really good last year. And, and man, it's hard to put together a bullpen that, that can be really good from year to year. You just have to have a lot of places you can pivot to and a lot of really good arms coming up all the time in your minor league system. You just said like three things that I wish you had mentioned to me like an hour ago before I filed the danged article. Because oh. all of that's like good stuff. And I didn't even think to look up the, the zero days rest uh, stat because that is absolutely valid. And you have to wonder, especially John Brebby, he leads the world in appearances this year. And he's a fellow who came back from Tommy John surgery last season. That can't be, I mean, he's been affected. He's been solid overall, but still it's, uh, it's been an unevenly distributed workload. And I just, I wonder if the whole 
the whole plan of getting bulk innings from your relievers, if there's something, a change in baseball or just a change in the Giants personnel or a lack of certainty with the relievers the Giants are bringing in to where you might need to just, you can't find more Logan Webbs, but maybe you can uh, have starting pitchers who are less Alex Wood and more, uh, I, uh, yeah, more Logan Webb, you know, less Alex Wood, more Logan Webb with the caveat that you're not going to find exactly a Logan Webb. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm looking at just how the the Giants are stacking up in terms of usage, and um, relievers have faced 1,752 batters this year, um, and uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have faced the most. They faced 1,900 batters. Now, of course, they will use an opener from time to time, but they re- rely on their bullpen more than any team. And the reason their bullpen's so good is because they've just got a billion arms they can throw at you. So I, I think the Giants got caught in a couple of things that they're not they don't have as much option ability as they did last year and and that's hurt them and they don't have guys they really want to bring up anyway and and you know uh last year we had they they were able to do that and and i think another thing is is jacob junis might have really helped to 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 shoulder some of the load uh from some of these other guys if he had been able to be used in swingman role and obviously with anthony di sclafani getting hurt um they weren't able to do that so that that probably has an impact too yeah no it is it I'm not entirely sure. Like Junis, to for the first couple of months, to me, it was a great story. It was wow, this guy is effective. Uh, but he's a two times through the order guy. He's just a guy. He's like Alex Wood. He's gonna slider, slider, slider you to death, and that's you're gonna get him two times through the order. His last couple starts though have been deeper into games. Uh, he pitched into the seventh inning at Coors Field, which is basically that's like technically a shutout. Uh, to me, I, I think pitching that deep into Coors Field is as impressive as almost anything. So is there a chance that he could be less of an Alex Wood and more of a deeper into the the pitch or the deeper into the game guy? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good question. I think, you know, um, they, they have mentioned him. Farhan Zaidi did mention Junis as somebody they're excited to have back next year. So uh, they certainly have evaluated him as someone that, you know, they think can be a part of of the pitching staff going forward. Um, you know, when he wasn't uh, pitching well, basically he was saying his slider was too hard. It was too hard, too hard, too hard. Well, that's that's better than, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know where my velocity went. That's a worse problem <laughs> to have. So, um, so yeah, I think he, he's been a little bit better lately. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, in an ideal world, you have five starters who are just, you know, dynamic. And then a guy like Junis is a guy that you can plug in uh, when you need a starter or, or you know, otherwise uh, help you out as a bullpen guy. Yeah, I want to do the 2020 hindsight thing and go, oh, they should have got Max Scherzer. Or, oh, they should have re-signed Kevin Gossman. And I, I really do believe that was probably not necessarily hindsight. That was probably at the time site. But the Giants did kind of sort of try to address this idea. And they wanted a bulk innings guy or a, an innings eater, I should say, in the rotation. That was, the, that was Anthony Disclafani. And you could make a case that his disappointing season is as important or as negatively uh, impactful as Brandon Crawford's disappointing season, Brandon Belt's. The lack of innings that they're getting from Disclafani is as important as almost anything this season. Yeah, and you know what? You go back and, and you you look at how the offseason played out and the lockout and how it changed a lot of things. And, you know, they had Logan Webb and nobody else in that rotation. And I, I, I guarantee you that they had some level of panic, that uh, they felt they had to sign somebody else, uh, get s- at least one pitcher locked in 
uh, before the lockout curtain fell because whenever that curtain got raised up, you knew it was going to be an absolute sprint. And the last thing they wanted to be was sitting there with four open rotation spots because anyone they tried to sign would know how desperate they were. Um, and they'd have no leverage and they'd, they'd obviously have fewer choices. Uh, so I think that they were really motivated to get DiSclefani done because he was ready to deal. He was ready to sign a contract. And Kevin Gossman obviously uh, had a little bit bigger market that he wanted to let play out. And, you know, could the Giants have jumped the gun and, and offered Gosman the, the contract he got from from uh, from Toronto? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I know he wanted to be back. Uh, I know his teammates really wanted him to be back. But I, I think the I think the lockout is a big reason why Anthony DiSclefani is, uh, was signed, uh, to be honest with you. That's a really good point. And it's almost like when I was I was looking up some stats for my research today and I came across uh, a tidbit about 2020. And I just dismissed it because 2020 is a, a freak year. And maybe that's what we should do with the, the last offseason where you can't evaluate it like a normal offseason. You had to go in and say, OK, these guys, Alex Wood's happy to be here. He's effective. You know what? Done. Worked great. Alex Wood, you are back. Disclefani, happy to be here. We know him. He knows the system. He knows how we're going to use him. Great. Done. Uh, that might be as important as anything else this offseason. It just it's almost if you could go back and unwind it and, and control Z something, it would be doing the exact same thing with Kevin Gossman. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, they won 107 games last year, which I know we <laughs> mention this all the time, but and people are tired of hearing about it. But, I mean, I, it's human nature. It's like, well, you know what? The core of this roster um, won 107 games. Even if we have a whole bunch of regression, this is still probably a 90-win team. Um, you know, uh, we, we have a, we're really concentrated on the calendar in terms of being able to do business. We don't want to get you know, sort of pressured or bullied into making decisions we're not entirely comfortable with. So, you know, we'll be conservative. And and that's what they did. And it all makes sense when you kind of step back and look at it. Um, and then obviously you see how the season's played out and and um, and, and there's in hindsight paints a different picture. But but yeah, I, I, I do think that that is that is a fair thing to reflect on that, you know, this wasn't a typical offseason in a lot of ways. And um, so it's it's probably something that, you know, doesn't absolve them from some of the mistakes they made. It doesn't mean you can't be upset that they didn't do more to augment this roster, but it does it does help to explain some of it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you wanted to look ahead, you have a lot of the rotation under contract for next year. You have Webb, you have Alex Wood, you have Alex Cobb, Desclafani should be healthy and coming back, Jacob Junis. 
Is it possible that next season's rotation is this same rotation without Carlos Rodon and Jacob Junis and Anthony Disclafani subbed in? Or is there still room to make an, a move that could give the Giants more innings out of the rotation? That's a hypothetical. I honestly have no answer for that. There's also Kyle Harrison. <laughs> I I just assume like I just assume that the Giants are never ever going to promote an an exciting prospect again. But I guess Joey Bart's doing well. Maybe I should shut up with that. I mean, you know, he's he's so good that uh, we we do need some AMSR to, to in soothing in your ears. <laughs> Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison is coming. He's coming. Uh, Kyle Harrison exists. <laughs> Kyle Harrison exists. I, you know what? I, I, one of the cool thing about going and, and spending the week in, in, um, I was in Hillsboro, uh, outside of Portland. That's where Eugene was playing all week. And I get to talk to a lot of scouts and, and some scouts I know, a lot of scouts I meet, um, not just uh, pro scouts, but there are some amateur scouts that have shifted to, to doing some pro stuff here. And, you know, boy, I, I hear a lot about Kyle Harrison. Uh, a lot of people think that he could pitch and be very, very successful in the big leagues right now. And I know that the you may be listening to this thing. Well, why isn't he then? But you know, um, there's a whole host of reasons uh, for that. Um, but you know, it's it, it's one of those things where I, I think that he's going to be ready probably pretty fast next season. Yeah, but have the Giants ever had a left-handed pitcher, 19, 20 years old, succeed in the majors? It seems far-fetched. Oh, totally far-fetched. I mean, come on. If you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna make up this kind of fanciful notion, you might as well make him a, a big burly slugger too. Why not? I just realized that Kyle Harrison just turned 21, so even that joke, that Madison Bumgarner uh, referencing joke, isn't uh, applicable. Kyle Harrison, he's not a kid anymore. He's not a teenager anymore. 21 years old. How about that? You know what? It it is it is really really nuts when you look at some of the other organizations around baseball and and see what they do with their prospects. And the one that stands out to me is the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they are not afraid to bring people up. And and, and not just, you know, when they brought up a Ronald Acuna or an Ozzy Albies um, or, or, or a Harris that they just gave it like an eight-year contract to. But like Vaughn Grissom is up now. And, and this guy was an 11th round pick out of high school um, in 2019. Wow. And... And his minor leagues, I looked at his minor league sets. I want to say, oh, what's he doing in the minor leagues? And they jumped him all the way up from double A. I thought, okay, well, that's pretty aggressive. He only played 22 games at double A. He spent most of his season at high A Rome as a 21-year-old. And and prior to that, he'd never played, you know, uh, above, you know, A ball. So, I mean, that's really aggressive. But, um, you know, he and he comes up and he's already worth 1.1 war in like a week's worth of games. Um, so... I, I, you wonder, um, or you see what the White Sox are doing. Have you seen what the White Sox are doing with their prospects? No, the Braves I'm familiar with, but not necessarily the White Sox. So so the White Sox basically decided that they want to recreate the alternate site for their top prospects and almost create a new like instructional league. So they called up all of their best A-ball, low-A and high-A players and called them all up to their double-A affiliate where I guess they have a little bit better facilities and they're going to have all their roving instructors, all of their, you know, minor league coaches that aren't, you know, with an affiliate, they're all going to descend on this double A team. And for the rest of the season, they're like, we don't care about results. We don't care at all. These guys get overmatched, whatever. We want to create like a magnet affiliate and for the rest of the season. And that's what they're going to do. And it's really an interesting concept. I wonder how it's going to work out. Yeah, so we don't have results on that yet. It's just sort of a brainstorm right now. 
Yeah, I mean that they're just they just uh, we're moving people around now, and obviously there's a whole lot of effects to that. There's you know people at Double A are probably uh, who who maybe um, get sent off that roster, maybe if they don't deserve it, or or you know it, it's a way to sort of show the prospect haves from the have-nots a little bit, which is always a tough thing, um, you know, for just a clubhouse camaraderie kind of a thing. But uh, so I'm sure that there are some people who get their toes stepped on a little bit and you got to have the facilities to do it. I've, I've made some inquiries to see if the Giants would do something similar and, and they basically don't have the kind of facilities at any of their affiliates hmm. that would allow them to do that. So um, so I don't think that's something that they uh, will do anytime soon, but I, I guarantee you every other team's going to be looking at this thinking, hmm, well, let's see how this works out. That is fascinating. And going back to the Braves, it seems like what they have is supreme confidence in their ability to evaluate not just outside talent, but their their own internal organizational talent. Do you think the Giants have that same kind of confidence? Because as of right now, I'm going to guess that they don't have that same kind of confidence where you have it with guys like Kyle Harrison and Casey Schmitz having a breakout year. And you can pick out some some positives up and down the organization. But there's a lot of disappointments, a lot of curiosities, a lot of uh, zigs when they were expecting a zag. I'm not sure that they would have that same kind of confidence that they're evaluating their own talent as as uh, capably as the Braves. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, injuries has been a big part of, of some of the development. I don't want to say disappointments because, you know, these kids are not finished products by any means. Sure. Um, it's not like the jury, the jury's going to be out on everybody still. Uh, but, you know, you have years that are tougher than others. And Marco Luciano lost two months to a bad back. Luis Matos had a, I think it was a quad injury. And then, and he's been challenged a little bit. But yeah, the bat speed's still there. The hands are still there. I just saw it. Um, you know, Patrick Bailey has hardly seen any, um, you know, he has exactly 100 plate appearances as a right-handed hitter. In his professional career, <laughs> not wow. counting not counting like the complex league, and so yeah, he's he's batting like you know 090 in, in those, but it's a hundred plate appearances. I mean, you can't really huh. gauge anything from that. So I, I wrote, I, I talked to him the other day, and and uh, you know because he's a switch hitter, and so you're talking about a guy who's missed a lot of time, as all these kids have. Uh, to the pandemic, et cetera. And yeah, it, it's tough to evaluate where they are and it's tough to create the the reps for someone who's a switch hitter, especially, um, you know, to feel like they can start making some progress. And uh, But you're right. I, I, I don't think the Giants have the same handle on a lot of their players. And, and probably in a lot of cases, injuries have had a lot to do with that. I mean, Hunter Bishop, another great example. He's another guy who's, who's out again. So um, you know, they would love to be able to evaluate where his tools are. Uh, but I think that's just not possible for that. You know, I was mostly thinking about this as it relates to Kyle Harrison, because you can do the thing where you say, oh, well, he's in double A, that's, and then there's a stop in triple A, and, but then there's also, you can evaluate a prospect as this guy can get outs right now, like the Giants did with uh, Tim Linscomb, when he had just, a what, five starts in Fresno, uh, he had just six games in, in San Jose before that, he, you had concerns about his ability to, to maybe walk too many hitters, there was some concern about his overall command and control, but you could look at him and say, yeah, those are those are outs. What he's throwing right now are outs. And I wonder if Kyle Harrison, if they feel comfortable enough saying this guy can get outs or if they're worried that if uh, they're wrong, that it could set his development back. I think there would be a real risk there. Yeah, I think pitching is, is probably a little bit more predictable than position players. And I think that was true even before you had TrackMan and, and um you know, all of the analytics and the spin rates and, and, and you could really quantify, you know, pitch shapes, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, now I think it's, it's, it's even more of a science, but, but even before all that, I remember Brian Sabian saying, you know, Hey, the, the pitcher, the action's on the pitcher, as long as you can throw strikes, you know, and you, um, and you have, you know, good, good stuff, then you can get people out in the big leagues. And there's not a whole lot of wobble around that with, with hitters. Sometimes you just really don't know. It's really hard to know how they're going to play against, you know, better competition as they continue to, to move up the line. And, and, and then obviously, develop at the last level in the major leagues. So I think that there's still a huge, huge art uh, behind the science there. And, um, you know, clearly a team like the Braves is definitely not afraid to, to challenge their kids. And and I think that's a big thing, too, philosophically. Um, you know, we've heard Gabe Kapler and, and this coaching staff talk so much about, hey, practice is meaningful when it's challenging practice. It's not just, you know, hitting BP fastballs, but, but you know, hitting really nasty sliders uh, that are you know, off of machines and stuff like that and, and, and challenging yourself in practice. That's how you develop skills. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Kapler, who's a former farm director with the Dodgers, uh, would, would be all for, you know, hey, promoting these guys more aggressively uh, than they've been promoted thus far. And I'm sure there's a lot of conversations back and forth about that within the front office. The best story of the bullpen uh, this year has been homegrown. It's uh, Camilo Duvall. He is the template. He is, uh, when you look at what's going right with the Giants bullpen, he is almost the beginning and end of, of that description. But He's also very alone, and I thought this would be the year that you would see Randy Rodriguez. This is the year you'd see R.J. Dabovich. Uh, that has been one of the the bigger disappointments this year, at least uh, I don't want to call them disappointments. I'm just saying overall that nobody has come up to do this. Nobody has come up to be the, the Camilo Duvall this year or last year's even Kervin Castro. I mean, there's no one who's been doing that. So that has to be a concern going forward. Yeah. And there are some interesting uh, arms in the minor leagues. Um, you know, uh, um, Landon Rupp is a guy who throws a really big curveball. Um, he's, you know, he was a 12th rounder in 2021. He's moved very fast. He's already in double A. Um, and, you know, uh, you got to, but there are other people that you thought might be knocking on the door. I thought, you know, Chris Wright, uh, he's a lefty um, who really had a great year last year, uh, started in uh, San Jose, got all the way up to Richmond, uh, pitched very well as the closer. Um, and he's been, you know, just kind of okay uh, this year uh, in, in Richmond and, and hasn't, uh, you know, got himself promoted out of the league. He does have really good strikeout numbers, but he's walked 29 in, in 44 innings. And and we know that this is an organization that prizes throwing strikes, not walking guys. And uh, so some of their relievers with better stuff, and I maybe you put Dabovich in that category too. Cole um, Waits. Yeah, Cole Waits, great example. Guy with just absolutely filthy stuff, throws 100 miles an hour. Um, but he's issuing too many walks. And uh, so I think that they, you know, this is an organization that really values hey, we got to iron that out before we move you up and challenge you in the big leagues. I will say that to that point and to my earlier point where it talks about, hey, can teams evaluate their own players and say, yes, I know the stats say this, but we still think he can get outs. Uh, I'm reminded of how Duvall came to the major leagues. He came to the majors with a, a walks per nine rate of seven. He was walking everybody in Sacramento in 2021 when the Giants called him up and they said, nah, we can figure this out in the majors. And they were right. So I guess... 
that is a feather in their cap that you can't take away. Maybe there is, maybe September will be when you see Randy Rodriguez and when you see uh, Cole, probably too early for Cole Waits, but someone like that, where it's almost like that White Sox, White Sox example that you gave earlier. Maybe those facilities are the Giants facilities, the major league facilities, and maybe that's where they can get the better instruction, the better development that they, they crave. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the, the other thing that goes into it is, you know, um, some people are going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Some aren't. And anybody you put on the 40-man roster before they would be Rule 5 eligible is, is one less person you can protect. And, and that's going to be a pretty big list. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but they're always, you know, looking at that because uh, you're always trying to protect your your um, your inventory. But, you know, there are times when you just have to say, damn the torpedoes. And, and if this guy's good enough to help you in the big leagues, you 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 make the move, even if you don't necessarily have to from a, um, I guess, from a transactional uh, perspective. So, you know, I, and I do think that if someone's really, you know, blasted down the doors, if you have a Cole Waits throwing the kind of stuff he's throwing and, and he's also not walking anybody, I think he would be in the big leagues. This brings up another point. Uh, Roger Munter made it. Uh, the great Roger Munter, he talked about how in 2019, uh, Farhan Zaidi said, hey, listen, we want to get to a point where every move, every move that takes a player off that 40-man roster is going to hurt. When we make a trade and we have to designate someone for assignment, it's going to sting. And you look at it this year, that's not really happening. That's not no. when when you see the roster carousel and the player A gets DFA'd and the next week player B gets DFA'd. You're not going, oh, jinkies, that ruins everything. It seems like it's a there are moves to be made, and maybe you don't have to worry about that 40 man roster for the Rule Five draft as much this offseason as maybe you you did earlier. Yeah, certainly didn't have to worry about it last year. They didn't have a Rule Five draft, and. And, uh, and and that's another thing that, that makes the offseason a little bit different last year. You know, they, they could have made some different uh, decisions. David VR was a guy that they did not protect and um, and it was a little bit of a surprise. And, and you got to think that they kind of figured there wouldn't be a Rule 5 draft. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be a little more of a standard offseason. And it's also going to be an offseason where they've got a, a pretty long laundry list of things to do. Um and, uh, and and I think w- there's the expectation that you know they'll they'll have to do something a little bit uh, on the top end of the roster to to make a splash too because I think the kind of the um, the marketplace kind of demands it at this point. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I think that it is the offseason for a splash. I think you have a smart approach to free agency and you can say, listen, it's a bad deal. But then there is the uh, public relations part of it, and I, I think that's almost. Almost uh, a given that they're going to do something a little bit splashy, which makes me kind of nervous. I'm thinking Barry Zito was signed under similar auspices, uh, but I don't know. Maybe you have maybe you're more optimistic about their ability to find a not Barry Zito than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's certainly possible. But, um, you know, it's it's I think it is it is kind of interesting to go through and, and really look at the organization holistically, which which. I, I mean, you and I, for the most part, don't do. I think we're mostly focused on the major league roster for the most part. You don't lose sight of the rest of the organization, but it is kind of interesting to to go through and 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 really kind of see things, like I said, holistically. And 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 you know, yeah, it, it's it's uh, you know, the Giants bullpen is kind of imploding, and 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 that's probably the main thing that's keeping them from 
they're uh, from contending or being viable contenders. Um, but you know, they, there is actually a lot of good stuff that's happening, whether it's Casey Schmidt or whether it's, um, uh, you know, some of the other people who've gotten moved up, um, you know, a guy like Rupp, uh, who's, who's pitching very well. Um, you know, Luciano back on the field. That's certainly a positive Vaughn Brown. Oh my goodness. He, I mean, I, I, I was expecting a lot given what his stats were. And he exceeded my expectations. I mean, this guy is electric. So um, who knows? You know, he's 24. He's obviously been old for his level. But, yeah, if you start looking at – it's easy to dream a little bit and, and get a little bit excited when you see some of these guys in the lower levels. Ian, I'm going to take you way, way back in the past to remind you of a time when it seemed like everything was going right and in the right direction for the Giants farm system. Uh, it was last year. Last year, it just kind of felt like all the prospects you wanted to see growth from were giving you that growth. It, it just felt like last year was uh, the culmination of like, it was almost proof with as much proof as you can get without major league success that they were on the right track. It just, it it hasn't been like five steps back this year. It's just not last year. And, and I think maybe that's coloring our assessment just a little bit. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, but you know, it, it is it is kind of interesting when you do start to go through um, the list of people who would be Rule Five eligible, and you know, you start with Hunter Bishop, you start with the Luis Matos, and you think it's a slam dunk that they're on. Okay, uh, Jairo Palmares, what do you do with him? He's, he's mm-hmm. having an okay kind of year, not really breaking out. Um, is he someone you protect? Uh, any team that do you think a team could really carry him on their active roster? Probably not. Um, so yeah, it, it, there may, there are going to be some talented people that are left off that, uh, um, that list. And I think that's going to be the, the true for a lot of organizations. All right. This has been episode 207. We will be back on Thursday. I think, did we, did we already, I should figure yeah. this stuff up. All right. Back I on think Thursday. we will be. All right, back on Thursday. And you get to, dear listeners, you get a little treat here because you get to listen to me in real time figure out who the Giants are playing next because I am an idiot when it comes to looking at the schedule. I believe it's the Tigers of Detroit. Detroit Uh, Tigers? What the hell? I know, with a couple of off days on either side. And then... And then the Minnesota Twins at Target Field, where have the Giants ever played there? I don't think they have. Isn't that where Madison Bumgarner gave up like 732 runs in the first inning? Oh, no, that was a game against the Twins. Good memory, but it was in San Francisco. Yeah, he gave up like nine hits in the first inning. I remember that one. Yeah, was he was he doomed? We only had to, to figure that out, but no, he was fine. He was fine. All right, well, we will see you on Thursday and talk about what in the heck the Giants did against the Tigers. Will the Tigers hold some sort of ceremony are you remembering 2012? Um, don't think so. <laughs> All right, we'll be back on Thursday. See you then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.